LifeSpring 86. Cabin crew, prepare for immediate departure. Quiet on the set. Quiet, people! In three, roll tape. Two, rolling. One. Oh, it's a day late. But you have a rested host. Live from our studio. And now your host. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, how are you doing? I tell you what, I am feeling rested. Yesterday was um, Monday for me. It is currently Tuesday night. It is 8.37, so I'm recording it early, and I'm recording it a day late. (laughs) How do you like that one, Ron? Well, it's good to have you here today. It's good for me to be here today. You're saying, Steve, what's going on? Why were you late? Well, I have a note from my mom here, and it says, Please excuse my son, Stephen, because he took a day off yesterday to be with the lovely Lady Leanne. Have you noticed that phrase showing up at other places? The lovely lady this and the lovely lady that. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. But I started it. I've been calling my lovely wife, the lovely Lady Leanne, since very, very early in the LifeSpring history. You can go back in the archives. I suppose I could do it, but I'm uh, not that motivated to do it. But I've been calling Leanne, the lovely Lady Leanne, on the podcast since the beginning. All right, so uh, yesterday what happened was Leanne and I went shopping we left early in the afternoon, and I figured it would be, you know, plenty of time before I came back, or, you know, I'd have plenty of time to get back home and do the podcast. But uh, we were at a just a really nice shopping area. It's in Rancho Cucamonga, which is here in Southern California. It's called Victoria Gardens. Really, really nice shopping center. It, it's not really a mall. I suppose they call it a mall, but it's an outdoor mall. And it's done very, very nicely. Have very cool music piped in in the surroundings. Uh, you know, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and, you know, those guys. And some other very, very cool kind of uh, kind of hip music from the 1950s and 60s. Some of it back to the 40s, I suppose. Um, <laughs> no, I don't go back that far. <laughs> anyway, the music is wonderful. Uh, Leanne was shopping for some nice clothes, and, and and I was able to just kind of sit on one of the benches. The weather was beautiful. I would say that it was, uh, oh, mid-70s, uh, just blue skies, a nice breeze, just a nice, nice day. And it got to be time to come home, and then I thought, well, you know what, we're kind of hungry. So we had a real nice dinner. By the time we got home, it was like 10 o'clock, and uh, I had still some studying to do for the the show. And so I said, you know what? Executive decision. I'm just going to do it a day late. So that's what I did. And that's why it's a day late for you. And I apologize for that. It won't happen very often. But uh, once in a while, I think it's a good thing to take some time off. Let's get started with 48 Bliss. Got a great show today. 
lots of studying, lots of material, lots to go over. I think you're going to like it. I saw stars around your feet once, little lights like fish you swim in. Took off your hat, you turned your chin and time stood still on St. Mark's Place. We walked up through hills of times like this and times like those. We felt the heat of all the years. I filled my head and spilled my tears.
48 Bliss with In a Long Time. And as the show goes on today, you'll find out uh, that uh, that song actually uh, very, <laughs> very much relates to the subject today. Uh, before I go too much further, though, I want to mention that um, I really appreciate all the great comments that I've uh, gotten this last week from from you guys on uh, the Kathy Brixey interview. She's the kind of person that uh, just really hardly ever will talk about uh, her health. Uh, when you ask her, you know, how's it going? She just says, hey, you know, things are going fine. Uh, so she really seldom talks about her uh, her MS or the cancer or anything else. She really is as uh, is neat a person as it sounded like on the show. But uh, thanks for the uh, input. I really appreciate it. Today is, well, this is the first show of the new month, and so this is my monthly reminder to you to please go on over to uh, Podcast Alley and uh, throw a vote to the Life Spring Podcast. There is a, a link on the show notes page on the uh, right-hand side in the sidebar there for you to click on that for the Podcast Alley vote. So if you do that, I appreciate it. One other thing I'd like to talk about before we get into the subject at hand is to remind you that we're giving away four Stephen Stewart CDs to registered users of the LifeSpring family forums. And what you do there is going over to LifeSpringPodcast.com. You'll see an icon for it. Click on it and then register for on the forum. And you'll be registered to win a CD. Go. 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 Daddy. Hi. GoDaddy's the source for domain names, you know. Web hosting and some fantastic tools for maximizing your internet presence, me bucko. Steve Webb has been a customer of GoDaddy for years, he has. And he's not made them walk the plank yet. And here be some good advice to ye. Use one of the Lifespring discount codes when you buy from GoDaddy. For instance, when you buy more than 30 doubloons, uh, dollars, for GoDaddy services, enter code LS2 and save $5. For all the codes, sail on by their show notes website at lifespringpodcast.com. Steve will be thanking you for the support. And a reminder, if you put in code LS1, you'll get an additional 10% off of any order over there at GoDaddy. And LS3 will get you a .com domain name for just six ninety five a year. Such a deal, such a deal. Good stuff. You know the artists. Really You've heard the music. Do you know what inspired the song? Hi, I'm Ed Roberts from the brand new Looking Out the Window podcast at lookingoutthewindow.com. Looking Out the Window peeks inside the musician's studio to find out what inspired them to write their songs. I was on a motorcycle trip through the Mississippi Delta. You know, I worked through the song and it was really actually therapeutic because it kind of got all that junk you know, up and out. Came down to Nashville, and this is about the girl that I had to leave behind. It's an intimate look inside the music that makes their songs all the more meaningful. Take a look at their inspiration. You just may be inspired yourself. You got the blues today. Why don't you do the same thing? Just get rid of them and enjoy life. The Looking Out the Window podcast at lookingoutthewindow.com. If you're a pod-safe artist and want to get involved in the project, Visit lookingoutthewindow.com and look for the artist's Get Played link. Hope to see you there. And now let's go to the grab bag and see what category 
our Ask Steve segment is about tonight. Science and technology. <laughs> there we go. Science and technology. I got an email from Cuffy, and she also placed this question on the uh, LifeSpring family forum. Uh, this question. And it is this. She says, I've often wondered. I know God created man, and then after a while, we had a, a great flood with Noah and all of the animals, but where does the dinosaur come from, in, or come into all of this, and the caveman? All right, well, that's a good question, Cuffy, and I want to thank you for it. Now, this is a question that lots of people have. The whole evolution, creation, intelligent design issue is one that generates a whole lot of interest whenever it's brought up, and so good question. Now, to preface my answer, let me say that I'm no scientist, but I do have a degree in biology, so I'm not entirely uneducated in the sciences. I did pretty well in school, except for organic chemistry. We won't talk about that. That's a completely other story. But I did very well in biology and uh, the related sciences there. One of the things that you learn when you first begin studying any kind of science, and you're supposed to learn this very early in your education, is the difference between hypotheses, theories, laws, observable facts, predictions, and, and the like. Remember that what is taught in most schools is called the theory of evolution. It's not the law of evolution. Evolution is a theory. What's a theory? Well, according, according to uh, Merriam-Webster online, there are several definitions. But the ones that apply most to our discussion here is this. A theory is a plausible or scientifically acceptable general principle or body of principles offered to explain phenomena. Another definition is a theory is a hypothesis assumed for the sake of argument or investigation or an unproved assumption or a conjecture. Okay? Bottom line is this. A theory is an unproven idea. Evolution is an unproven idea and therefore should not be taught as the definitive answer in regards to how we all came to be here. All right. Now, for those of you that are out there screaming at me, Steve, what about Darwin's observation that certain species of birds adapted to their environment and blah, 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 blah. Well, relax. I'm not denying that species can and may adapt. But that's a far cry from one kind of animal involving into another kind of animal. All right, so that's a really short look at, at the, quote, science, unquote, side of the discussion. Now, let me look at the, quote, religious, unquote, side. From my study and from my own life, the Bible has proven itself to be entirely reliable whenever I have tested it. I believe that the Bible is the final authority. I believe that it is 100% trustworthy. I'm even one of those people that believes that when Genesis says that on the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light, lightness from the dark, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I believe that the first day was a day, 24 hours. And the second day was 24 hours, and so on, and so on. Wow. So that really makes me a kook, I suppose. I guess I'm a kook if I believe what the Bible says. But that's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. 
Actually, I'm not that much of a kook. There are many, many scientists out there, uh, people that spend a lot of time, have devoted their lives to investigating the whole creation evolution controversy. Many of those scientists believe, as I do, that the Bible is reliable. Now, understand, when you're talking about creation, when you're talking about evolution, when you're talking about anything like this, you must come from a presupposed starting place. In my case, I start with the Bible. In the case of evolutionists, they start with the wisdom of of man. The Bible has a, has something to say about the wisdom of man and that's a completely different discussion at this particular point in time. But understand that that we all come from our own place of bias. Mine is the Bible. I think it's a safe place to start. By the way, it's not just blind faith that leads me to believe that. It is faith, but it's not blind faith. All right. First let's talk about dinosaurs. That was part of Cuffy's question. Uh, were there dinosaurs? What happened to them? Where'd they go? Uh, did dinosaurs and man coexist? These are all kind of common questions when it comes to discussing dinosaurs. All right, dinosaurs did exist. Okay, uh, we have plenty of evidence that they existed. We've got lots of fossils, right? There's no way to de- to deny, nor would I want to deny that the dinosaurs existed. In my mind, there is no problem harmonizing these the existence of dinosaurs and man, and creation, and God, and the whole nine yards. And even the fact that I believe that 24 hours was the the length of time that a day was in creation. Which, by the way, if that's true, and if you go by what the Bible says in its genealogies, I also believe in a young earth. I don't believe that the earth is billions and billions of years old, as Carl Sagan used to say. There is good evidence for that as well. We can go for hours with this discussion, so I'm going to really kind of go by these things really fast. I'm going to have some links for you on the show notes page where you can go and study all of this more, and I'll, I'll mention them at the end of the show. There's just a tremendous amount of study that can be done in this area, and obviously in, in, a, in a podcast like this, we can't get into the, the, the real deep science. But let's, let's continue here with dinosaurs. I know I'm kind of going back and forth on this, but I kind of need to establish some basic things as we get started. All right, so why can't you look up dinosaurs in your concordance? Well, because the word wasn't invented when the Bible was written or when it was translated recently. Uh, It's a relatively new word, coined in the early 1800s. You will find creatures described in the Bible that certainly fit the description of a dinosaur. Listen to this from Job chapter 40. And by the way, I'm reading from the New International Version. Look at the behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in the muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar, the sinews of his thighs are close-knit, his bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs are like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, yet his maker can approach him with his sword." The hills bring him their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants he lies, and hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal him on their sh- in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround him. When the river rages, he is not alarmed. He is secure, though the Jordan should surge against his mouth. Can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him and pierce his nose? All right, some people have said, well, golly, you know, that's a big animal. Sounds like maybe it's a, a hippopotamus or a... 
um, an elephant or something like that. But check it out. It says his tail sways like a cedar. You know what a cedar is? It's a huge tree. I'm not saying that what is being described here is a dinosaur, but think of what else it might be. A dinosaur could certainly fit the description there. A word that is used a number of times in Scripture is dragon. Now, the word dinosaur can be substituted for dragon in most of these instances and go very, very well. Did dinosaurs and man exist at the same time? I believe they did. Again, looking at the passage from Job that I read just a moment ago, it's clear that God was talking to Job about a creature with which Job was familiar. What happened to them? How'd they die? Well, I believe they died in the flood. Remember Noah and the ark? The flood actually explains quite a few things. In addition to explaining the disappearance of the dinosaurus, <laughs> the dinosaur, uh, the flood also explains some questions about fossils. For instance, haven't you ever wondered why these fossilized creatures were able to lie in one place after they died without being eaten and have their bones scattered? What happens to an animal when they die out in the wilderness? Well, of course, other animals come and they eat them. Soon there's nothing left. The flood explains how these animals died and were quickly covered with mud before they could be eaten. There's a lot of things that the flood explains. And uh, there admittedly is controversy there as well. But again, it depends upon what point you are starting from. If you start from the Bible as the inspired, inerrant Word of God, then you have a place to start, and it's a, it's a reliable place. All right, so what about cavemen? How do we explain them? We've heard about Neanderthal man, Australopithecus, Lucy, etc., etc., etc. Well, here we go. Evolutionists looking for evidence of cavemen or ape men search for fossils that show anatomical features that look intermediate between those of apes and humans. Now, as evolutionists look for evidence of you know what they think is going to be intermediate stages between apes and humans, um, they really kind of open themselves up for hoaxes. And that's happened several times over the last hundred or so years. Uh, one of the most popular hoaxes was known as Piltdown Man. P-I-L-T-D-O-W-N, Piltdown Man, discovered, quote-unquote, in England in the early 1900s. And what that was made up of was a human skullcap plus the lower jaw of an orangutan, the teeth of which had been stained and filed to make them look human and match the size of the teeth in the upper human jaw. See, so they had the, the top part of the skull was human, but then they brought in the lower jaw of an orangutan, altered the teeth and it to make it all fit. Now, the hoax was poorly done, but it fooled the establishment, the scientific establishment of the time, and it was probably the most quoted evidence for evolution for about 40 years until 1953 when the fraud was exposed. Many fossils of so-called hominids, or those that are supposedly closely related to modern man, are often only fragments of bones, which, when combined with a huge dose of imagination, are transformed into these intermediate steps, or cavemen. Another factor is that hominid fossils are sufficiently rare that 
Lots of researchers have only actually handled one, if that. As a matter of fact, a lot of scientific papers on human evolution are based on only casts or published photos or measurements and descriptions. So where does all this leave the matter of the evidence for cavemen or ape men? Let's look at Australopithecus, or southern ape. And that's the name of a number of fossils that were found in Africa. They're claimed by evolutionists to be the closest to the alleged common ancestor of apes and humans. There's a doctor called Dr. Fred Spohr, and he's done CAT scans of the inner ear region of some of these skulls. And what they show, these CAT scans show that the semicircular canals which determine balance and ability to walk upright, they resemble those of the of existing great apes. Okay, so they're they're just like today's apes. They're not anything that would be considered to be intermediate between ape and man. The most well-known Australopithecine is Lucy, a 40% complete skeleton found by Dr. Donald Johansson in Ethiopia in 1974. Casts of Lucy's bones have been imaginatively restored in museums worldwide to look like an ape woman, that is, with an ape-like face and head, but human-like body, hands and feet. However, the original Lucy fossil did not include the upper jaw, nor most of the skull, nor hand and foot bones. All right, so they are forming these these models of this supposed Lucy as complete, but there's they only started with 40% of a complete skeleton. Didn't include the upper jaw, most of the skull, hands or feet. But when they do the model, they make it look like a modern person, almost. Now, there are several other specimens of the same species of creature that have long curved fingers, not human fingers, and long curved toes, just like tree dwellers or apes. And they have the restricted wrist anatomy of knuckle-walking chimpanzees and gorillas. You see, the wrists of the chimps and gorillas are different than ours. The wrists in Lucy and in these these other um, fossils from the same species are like the chimps and the gorillas. Dr. Marvin Lubinow quotes the evolutionists uh, Matt Cartmill of Duke, uh, Duke University David Pilbeam of Harvard University and the late Glenn Isaac, also of Harvard, and he says this, The Australopithecines are rapidly sinking back to the status of peculiarly specialized apes. All right, another species is Homo habilis, also known as Handy Man, so named because he supposedly was handy with tools. The most well-known is called KNMER-1470, comprising a fossil skull and leg bones found by Richard Leakey in Kenya in 1972. Now, the same doctor, Dr. Spohr, did some CAT scans of the inner ear of Homo habilis. Those CAT scans show that it walked more like a baboon than a man. And they, again, they can tell that by the inner ear and how, it would, um, how the creature would be able to balance in what position the creature would be most balanced, okay? 
Today, most researchers regard Homo habilis as a waste bin of various species, including bits and pieces from Australopithecus and Homo erectus, and not as a valid category. In other words, it never existed and so cannot be supposed to be a link between Australopithecine apes and true man. Next comes Homo erectus, or upright man. Excavations of many of these fossils show evidence of the use of tools, the controlled use of fire, that they buried their dead, and that some used red ochre for decoration. Their brain size, though smaller on average than modern humans, was within the human range. Spore's CAT scans of their inner ear architecture show that their posture was just like ours. Even some evolutionists concede that they should be put in the same species as modern man, or Homo sapiens. That's you and me, Homo sapiens. Creationists can thus legitimately regard him as distinct variants of true humans. Here's one that's very popular, Neanderthal man, or as they say in Britain, Neanderthal. This is a group that once lived in Europe and the Mediterranean area. The researchers who first reconstructed these fossils gave them a bent-over or ape-like appearance. However, the early reconstructions suffered from a heavy dose of evolutionary bias, along with the fact that some specimens suffered from bony diseases, such as rickets, which is caused by vitamin D deficiency from childhood and can result in the bowing of the skeleton. One cause of this is lack of exposure to sunlight consistent with their having lived in the post-flood ice age. Now, modern reconstructions of Neanderthals are consistent with the creationist contention that they are fully human. Their minor skeletal variations from the modern average, including a larger brain case volume on average, are no different in principle from the minor physical differences between people groups today, which have been shown to be consistent with the genetic unity of humanity. So check this out. We can tell, or scientists can tell, a difference between, let's say, a Caucasian skeleton and an Asian skeleton or a Negroid skeleton. So there is a difference even in modern man in the different races, if you want to call it that. But we're all the same. We're all people. We're all God's children. Now, despite attempts made on the basis of mitochondrial DNA fragments in one set of Neanderthal bones to try to assign them to separate species, even some evolutionist authorities claim that they should be regarded, Neanderthals that is, as Homo sapiens. So, how did these and other extinct human fossils originate? Well, here's the answer. Early human fossils are of various groups of people who lived after the flood. The reason the oldest ape fossils are found below the oldest human fossils in many locations is that after the flood, animal migration happened more quickly than human migration, which was stalled until God broke up the humans again at the Tower of Babel, which is an entirely different study. So here's a conclusion for you. How fossil bones are interpreted depends on the worldview of the researcher the place from which they began, as I said at the start of this conversation. The theory of human evolution requires one or more missing links. So, in the post-Darwin era, many candidates have been put forward. Not one has stood the test of honest, rigorous investigation, as all have turned out to be from either an extinct ape or an extinct human. 
The fossil evidence does not compel belief in the existence of ape men, nor that man is the product of evolution. Man was directly created by God and in the likeness of God, not in the likeness of an ape. Christians who flirt with the evolutionary idea that ape men once roamed earth and that God chose one of these to be Adam are flying in the face of both true science and the word of God. So for much more on dinosaurs and early man, along with a lot more information on creation, uh, here are some of the links. AnsweringGenesis.org, Emporium.Turnpike.net. There's another one called ClarifyingChristianity.com. There's another one called TrueAuthority.com. And uh, again, I'll have those on the show notes page. there before time who set forth the morning who is he who holds back the stars in the sky whose voice shakes with thunder who brings down the mighty who is lifted up and seated on high it is you I have seen the glory of your power what I've heard has now been shown to me. Who am I that I should ever question the God of all creation? It is you. Who was there at Calvary? Who laid down his own life? Who is he who holds back his justice for his love? Who calls forth the nations? Who redeems his people? Who is he who's seated high up above? It is you I have seen the glory of your power. What I've heard has now been shown to me. Who am I? I should ever question the God of all creation. It is you I have seen the glory of your power. What I've heard has now been shown to me. Who am I that I should ever question the God of all creation? It is you. your power what I've heard has now been shown to me who am I that I should ever question the God of all creation it is you I have seen the glory of your power what I've heard has now been shown to me who am I I should ever question the God of all creation. It is you. 
That's Matthew Castile with Who. A member of a certain church who previously had been attending services regularly stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a chilly evening. The pastor found the man at home sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for his pastor's visit, the man welcomed him, led him to a comfortable chair near the fireplace, and waited. The pastor made himself at home but said nothing. In the grave silence, he contemplated the dance of the flames around the burning logs. After some minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning ember, and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet contemplation. As the one lone ember's flame flickered and diminished, there was a momentary glow, and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. The pastor glanced at his watch and realized it was time to leave. He slowly stood up, picked up the cold, dead ember, and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said with a tear running down his cheek, Thank you so much for your visit, and especially for the fiery sermon. I shall be back in church next Sunday. We live in a world today which tries to say too much with too little. Consequently, few listen. Sometimes the best sermons are the ones that are left unspoken. My thanks go to Steve Gray, who sends me many of these great end-of-show ideas. If you have something thought-provoking or funny that would be a good way to end the show, send it to steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Show notes, of course, are at lifespringpodcast.com. Please remember to vote at Podcast Alley. I only remind you to do this once a month, so please do it now while you're thinking about it. Hey, by the way, I've got some brand new photos up on my Flickr page. And uh, don't forget the Stephen Stewart CD giveaway. You need to be a registered Lifespring family forum member, so just go to lifespringpodcast.com, click on the forum icon, and then sign up. Now, you can hear some of Stephen's great music at myspace.com slash Stephen Stewart. Music today was 46 Bliss and Matthew Castile. Of course, I'll have links to their music at the show notes page as well. Remember Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your station in life. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Life brings about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. I'm Steve Webb, and I'll see you next time. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight. <laughs>